If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and we have hit episode 280. As we move towards um, episode 300, we're looking at a complete do-over of the podcast. We're going to be making quite a few changes. It's another ooh, 20 weeks to go yet, and that gives us a long lead time to make sure that the new presentation of the podcast is going to be absolutely magnificent. We're going to be really working hard on it. I mean, the content is going to stay the same. You're going to get the same wonderful interviews with some amazing vacation rental, short-term rental experts and owners and managers. But we'll be bringing you a lot of other really useful information and news and views. And I guarantee you're going to like it. So it just, it just struck me as, uh, as I was looking at my notes and it said VRS 280. And I thought, wow, only 20 more episodes to go in this format. So, uh, so watch this space. So hopefully you are enjoying the quality of this recording because I'm now back in my home studio and have all the equipment up and running. And it is it's just so nice to be home, actually. But there is still a lot of snow outside. The temperature is not going up very much. And uh, we're still hunkered down. So it's a bit like you know, still coming back, you know, going away for the entire winter to Texas and have some great summer and then come back to winter again. But it, it will. It will go. And anyway, I will be in Sun River, Oregon in two weeks' time. And the weather looks actually very similar. Temperature looks similar as it is here in Oregon, in Sun River. I'll be going to the Northwest Vacation Rental Professionals Association conference and look forward to meeting up with lots of old friends, making new ones. If you're going to be there, please uh, seek me out. Come and say hello. Tell me you're a podcast listener and uh, I'd love to talk to you. I'm also just about to sign up to go to Como in October for Antonio Bortolotti's Vacation Rental World Summit. I've heard from so many people how fantastic last year's summit was in Como because I couldn't go to that one. And I'm so delighted that I can make it to Como this year. So really looking forward to that. We're going to make a vacation of it. And I think I may have mentioned before that uh, that area around Como is where our family used to spend every single summer holiday when we lived in England for, for years and years, for, for well over a decade. We went down to a little lake near Tacoma and, and camped for two weeks. So the last time was probably around 25 years ago. So I'm sure we will see some changes. I was talking to April Salter yesterday, the uh, president of Avroa, and she went to Como last year. And she was telling me how fabulous it was and how much she appreciated 
that the city of Como was not overdeveloped and over-touristy. Thanks, April, for that. I'm now really, really looking forward to it. So having, having spent three months down in the south, of course, as you know, we took our RV. We spent time in 19 different campgrounds. And we had, I would say, 98% of the trip was fantastic. Um, the other 2% accounted for the two axles and four tires we had to have replaced in Needles, California. And, and some of the colder weather than we expected. But on the whole, the trip was amazing. And it got me thinking about all these different campgrounds we went to and the first impressions that we had of each one, because that's the topic of today's episode. It's about the first 10 minutes of your guest's arrival. It's not just walking in the door, it's what happens as they get to the door and as they open the door and what happens in those few minutes as they step inside. And it may only be 10 minutes but it is one of the most important 10 minutes of their vacation. So basically, we are wired in such a way that it has us more easily recalling the first and last impressions of an experience than anything that happens in between. That's basically it. So think about the last time you flew to a vacation destination and got delayed, and I'm sure you have been delayed at some point. If it was stressful, if it was annoying, if it was dealt with badly, you're more likely to remember that than the great time you had when you finally arrived. This is what you're going to be talking about to people when you come back. Yeah, I had a great vacation, but it was awful having to sit around the airport for 10 hours before we left. So you've experienced it, so have your rental guests. And it's often the first 10 minutes they spend at your place that can have that longer lasting impact than the rest of their stay. So... No doubt you'll already have spent a lot of time making sure your booking and the pre-stay process is excellent and it has your guests anticipating a wonderful vacation. So you're going to be well on your way to a five-star review anyway. Providing everything when they get to the property meets with their expectations, you should have no issue. However, always a however, isn't there? But you can't afford to be complacent because if you don't get that first 10 minutes right, it could almost nullify everything that you've done beforehand to make that anticipation perfect. So let's start. Let's talk about arrival. And it starts the moment they park and get out of the car. Assuming, of course, your directions were spot on and they didn't get lost. And there's a clear and welcoming sign to show they've arrived at the right place. You've, you've actually got it right to that point. So we're going to kick off with the approach. So if your place is a condo or it has a, an HOA that looks after landscaping and maintenance, you'll probably be fine on this one. You really don't have to pay a huge amount of attention to the approach because that's taken care for you and you pay for that service. But if you have an independent property and you have a driveway and a parking space and you have to take care of the property surrounds, I want you to take some time to assess the impression it gives your guests when they arrive. Take a long look at everything they're going to see from the moment they come through the gates or arrive at the driveway or arrive at your sign 
and then pull up in front of the property. If you have any unkempt landscaping, so that includes broken tree branches, any unmowed areas, maybe some builder's debris. And yes, old cars, trailers and bicycles aren't uncommon. I look at around about 60 to 80 properties every year that we are asked to bring on to our management program. And my assessment of a property starts really actually much further out from the actual arrival. I'm assessing how a guest is going to see, what what the guest is going to see, what they're going to feel as they drive along the road approaching the property. Because that is all combining to create this first impression. And maybe you can't do anything about the public property that your guests pass through, but you can do something about absolutely everything that they see beyond that. I remember going to a property in Eleuthera in the Bahamas and to access it, you you drove down about a mile of really potholed, rutted road. It was, it, it was pretty dire. But we had been warned about this beforehand. The pre-arrival said the road approaching is... It's a public road and it is, uh, it's not good. So just take it slowly. And it was very, very rough. And it didn't do a great deal for our first impression of the property, even though we're expecting it. However, we arrive at the property. There's a big sign outside that tells us we have arrived with the name of the property and a big sign that says welcome. And then we turned into the driveway and it was absolutely gorgeous. It was, it was full of flowering trees and shrubs and there were herb gardens and there was a very neat driveway, gravel driveway, as we drew up outside the front door. It really makes such a difference. And, and as I say, yes, I've, I've seen old cars, trailers, bicycles, even an old school bus in cottage yards when, we have, when I've driven up to take a look at the property. And, and have said, sometimes I've said, this is where the assessment stops, unless you can tell me categorically that all these things will be removed. So while you can't control the way your neighbor's places look, you can go above and beyond to make sure that yours looks beautiful. I mean, use landscaping, shrubs, perennials, window boxes, planters, rock gardens, benches, you can even use statutory, statuary, but just go easy of it, easy on it. You know, a, a dozen um, garden gnomes is not going to make a place look attractive, whereas a single statue, perhaps in a rockery, uh, can have a really nice effect. So any of that can transform an ordinary property exterior into something beyond stunning. Something that I've been looking at recently because I want to add some, some exterior decor to my property are the, the old bicycles you sometimes see that have been painted, you know, painted white and then have um, planters in them so that the old bicycle leans up against a wall and it has a planter on the front and a planter on the, uh, just behind the seat and cascading colorful flowers. Those are so attractive and just such a, a very inexpensive way to create a really good looking outdoor accent. 
So you've got your approach right. Your guests have come up to the front door. They're charmed by the approach. But now they're looking at your front door and maybe they're, we're going to come on to the access and finding the key in a second. But let's say they're, they're looking around for the key and everybody else is, is taking in the surroundings and they'll be looking at the front door. Is it freshly painted? Is the door handle clean and shiny or is it rusty? Are there spider webs around the frame? And is the welcome mat welcoming? If, and and these, are, these are things that people forget. They might have a mat on the front door and it's been there a long time and there's weeds poking through it perhaps or, or it just maybe looks faded and not as welcoming as a welcome mat should look. And I guess it's because we can often pay so much attention to the interior of the home that the exterior gets left out a little bit. But it's one of the first things that guests see and take note of. So look at the entire area around the door your guests will enter and address anything that's a cause for concern. You know, if it doesn't look welcoming, clean, free of insect debris, judgments are going to be made. And then every time your guests come back in from a day out, they'll notice it again. So it's like this recurring experience they have. You know, if they see that a welcome mat really needs replacing, they're going to have that memory of that mat reinforced every single time they walk through the door. That's your second task is take some time and just focus on that front door. So the next step in the first 10 minutes is they're getting into the property. And you may think that this is something that you don't have to pay a huge amount of attention to because your guests come and go all the time and you've never had an issue. So I remember Touchstay founder Andy McNulty telling a story of arriving at a vacation rental in London late at night. It was dark, the street lighting was poor, and there was no outside light at the property. Well, there may have been an outside light, but it was not a motion detecting light, so it didn't come on when they arrived. And of course, oddly enough, he wasn't carrying a flashlight for the purpose of finding the key. I mean, who doesn't do that? The instructions that he got said the key could be found in the blue box to the side of the door. So, of course, there was no blue box. And in the light of the cell phone flashlight, they, they certainly couldn't see anything and had to call. This was late at night, so they had to call the number they had. Fortunately, somebody answered and just let them know that, oh, no, it's not an actual blue box that's attached to the wall. If you look a little further to the right, there's a small blue door set into the wall. And lo and behold, the key was behind that door. Well, number one, they couldn't see whether it was blue or not, given the light that was, <laughs> or the lack of light. And, and secondly, having been told it was a blue box, they, that's what they were looking for, not a blue door. So not a good start to their vacation. And in retrospect, Andy says that had it been daylight and not after a long and stressful journey with a tired and frazzled group, they might have found it more easily. But that experience has stayed with him for a long time. In fact, I've done a presentation with Andy McNulty and Tyan Singh from Touchstay 
where we talk about the guest experience and Andy mentions this very arrival experience and and how it became a sort of a whole part of the memory of staying at that property. Door may not seem that important and access into a property is usually pretty easy. Gaining access has to be a pain-free process 100% of the time. You know, there's no excuse for not having easy access anymore, whether it's a keypad, a key card, or even a lockbox with a physical key. What doesn't work, though, is getting a guest to go through multiple processes to gain access to a property. We have one of our owners in our property management company who who has two lockboxes. One lockbox gives you a key to get into the next lockbox, which gives you the key to get into the house. And we still, we have not been able to figure out why this is the case, but we did talk to him and say this was unnecessary. It was an unnecessary step. Just have one lockbox. And that lockbox requires a key to get into it then you need to change your lockbox and get something else. And in fact, there are so many different options now for automatic entry, for putting a new lock on your door with a keypad. And then even if it's the, you know, if, if, if it's the same code you use every time, then that's fine. Obviously, it's better if you have changing codes and there's many options for doing that. But just make it easier for your guests so that all they do is come up to the door, they punch in a code and they unlock it. And easy peasy, that gets them in. But don't forget, there should always be backup systems in place as well. I mean, batteries fail. We know this. It happens to ourselves at our own home. You know, human error gets in the way, particularly if codes are being input manually. And of course, keys and cards go missing. So that backup process has to be in place because every minute a guest has to wait to gain access to a property, it's going to count against you in a review. So now your guests are in. They've pushed open the door. They're all piling through. They're excited. But one of the first things they're going to notice is the temperature. And I call this the Goldilocks effect. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? And if it's super hot outside, they're going to want to feel the cool of air conditioning, providing you have it available. And of course, if it's a winter rental, it should be warm and toasty. You don't want to hear your guests saying, let's get the AC on. Or keep your coats on, kids, until we get this place warmed up. That's just not a great experience for them. You want them to be paying attention to the decor and the furnishings and all the beautiful staging you've done, not to how hot and steamy or how cold it is. I've talked to owners in the past who've been renting their places out in the winter, and winter in Ontario can be pretty cool. And it's expensive. It's expensive to heat. So owners have said, well, I don't, you know, what happens if my guests don't arrive until 10 o'clock at night and the heat's been on since two o'clock in the afternoon? It's expensive. Our argument has always been, well, it doesn't matter whether they've arrived at four o'clock or 10 o'clock. You should have that heat up anyway, because if they arrive at four, it needs to be warm. And we will not have guests being asked to turn the heat up the moment they arrive at a property. That is not acceptable. And that's the same with AC. Make sure the property is at the right and right temperature for your guests for their 
arrival time, for check-in time. So if check-in time is at four o'clock, then that is the time that the cool or the heat needs to be at the right temperature. So it might seem like a no-brainer for many of you, but you know we're still here from owners who just don't want to spend the extra dollars having a place pre-cooled or preheated while they wait for the guests to arrive. And it, it, uh, that one blows me away a little bit. So they've walked in, the temperature is just right, they're looking around, and then they smell something. And I love this quote from Patrick Suskind, who wrote the book, which became the movie Perfume, The Story of a Murderer. And the quote is, odors have a power of persuasion stronger than that of words, appearances, emotions, or will. The persuasive power of an odor cannot be fended off. It enters into us like breath into our lungs. It fills us up, imbues us totally. There is no remedy for it. And for anybody who's walked in somewhere where there, there is a really, really strong odor, it is almost impossible sometimes to get away from it. We've just driven thousands of miles on our road trip. And every so often, we, one of us will go skunk as that distinctive smell of skunk permeates the vehicle because one of the little creatures has been squished to, uh, to one side of the highway. So smells are really important. I mean, I, for one, you know, my olfactory sense is very pronounced. I, I notice smells a lot and I far prefer a nice neutral odor when I walk into a property. It's like something, there is no smell because that is the best odor to greet you when you walk into a vacation home that is no odor at all. You know, guests just don't want to be treated with any of these offensive odors. And here's my hit list of smells that I don't want to find in a vacation rental. Number one, powerful toilet cleaners. I had one owner tell me that it was essential that guests smelt a toilet cleaner when they walked in because it would let them know that the place had been cleaned. And yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into that because I, I think my mouth dropped open. And I, I had no words for her. Um, she, she was absolutely adamant that, you know, strong cleaning materials gave a great first impression because the first thing that the guest is thinking is, what a clean place. No, they're not. They're just thinking about the ghastly smell. Secondly, air fresheners of the spray or plug-in variety. I think they're generally vile. They don't make a place smell fresh at all. They're covering up. You get that impression they're covering up an odor rather than just giving a nice fresh sense to the property. So please don't use plug-in uh, air fresheners or chemical sprays. They just, they, they, they do not work. And, and you may think, well, you know, I like them. You know, I, I like the smell of Febreze or whatever you're using, but not everybody else does. So if you can maintain a neutral odor in the property, it's much better and you're going to get much better response overall. The third odor to avoid is the, any mustiness, mustiness of a place that's humid and and damp. This goes back actually to the Goldilocks effect, the AC and getting it just right. Because the same place in Eleuthera, where we'd, you know, we'd gone down the potted, uh, potholed road and we arrived at the place and, and the approach was gorgeous and we found the key and the front door was great. When we opened the door, we were hit with this smell of mustiness and it was really humid 
and damp. The air conditioning was not on. And the impact of the approach and the arrival and getting in was just disappeared. That positive impact disappeared and was replaced by this negative feeling of, oh gosh, this place really smells musty. Let's get the AC on. Let's freshen it up somehow. We should not have had to do that. There's one thing to note here, and I'm sure you you know what the effect of walking into a place that has a smell that after you, you may notice it at first and then after a few minutes it it disappears and and that's just because your olfactory sense has just got used to it being in the air and you know a little bit like that quote it enters into us like breath in our lungs it fills us imbues us totally so we we absorb that odor i guess so the reason i say that is because you could say no, my place doesn't have any odour whatsoever. But you could be very, very used to the smell that comes with a particular property. You have to get somebody else to walk in, a, a few somebody else's, in fact, to walk in and sniff around and say, yeah, this smells pretty good. Or, yeah, there's some really odd background lingering, lingering smell here. The next one is leftover food odors from previous guests. And that is, that's a big issue if you've got a very short change over time and you have to do something really, really quickly because the last thing your next guests are going to want to smell when they walk in the door is the previous guests' very spicy foods or fried food in particular because that does linger. And there's so many simple, natural solutions for odor issues that, that you can use. Things like baking soda, kitty litter, and vinegar. These are three specific ones that can be used to neutralize so many different unwanted scents. When I say scents, that is something else. We I, I saw this issue on a Facebook group recently with an owner say, what do you do about guests who use very strong perfumes and scents? And quite often they're leaving and they're going to be spraying themselves with the scent because they don't go out the door without being perfumed all over. So how do you get rid of that? Well, it's the same thing. It's, um, you know, Google how to get rid of unwanted household smells. And it will come up with all sorts of different solutions for that. But mostly they include very simple ones using baking soda and, uh, and vinegar. Of course, you've got to check out that there's no underlying causes for an odor. You know, mold has a, a particular odor that is very difficult to remove. With anything natural, you have to treat the underlying cause. And then, you know, we've had issues where a mouse has died behind a wall or in a basement and is desiccating. Sorry about this, but <laughs> these... These are actual issues that have happened. So, you know, if, if there's a smell that you can't get rid of and it really lingers, then you've got to look for those underlying causes because no amount of simple natural solutions are going to take care of those. Okay, so they've arrived. The temperature's right. The place smells lovely. It's fresh and airy. So now your guests are going to be looking around. That's the next thing. They're going to be choosing their rooms. They're going to be checking that everything that was in the listing is actually there. 
So guestbook are homes for a variety of reasons. Firstly, because it's in a location they want to be. You know, it has the right size of accommodation to suit the group. And it comes with the amenities and features that combine to create that perfect vacation environment. But when the reality doesn't match the photos, the description and the hype, there's going to be trouble and you will hear about it. So here's a story. And, you know, I I freely admit this is my story of my property, my issue that actually happened. So take the seven-year-old who spent months since they booked. So take the seven-year-old who spent months since the place was booked talking about the top bunk bed he's going to sleep in. He's never had one before. And the anticipation, his anticipation of of the vacation hasn't been based on any activity that's been planned. It has been based on the fishing or the kayaking or the swimming. He's been entirely focused on the photo of the bunk bed on the listing. If you ever had a seven-year-old, you know how focused they can get on certain things. He's talked about it incessantly. And, you know, when he's asked what he's looking forward to the most, he will cite that bunk bed as being the thing. He's even promised his little sister that she can come up to the bunk bed once or twice. It's a really big deal for him. So when the family arrives, they get into the house. The first thing that little boy does is look for the bedroom with the bunk bed so he can claim it for his own. Then he finds that the owner, who was actually me, in a bid to keep a cleaner happy because she hated to make up the top bunk, has separated the beds out into a double and a twin. And there is no top bunk anymore. This is a true story, my friends. (laughs) And the upset that ensues will guarantee an emotional call from the guests, uh, from the guest. After all, he or she now has to placate that child and use their very first precious hours of vacation time trying to make it up to him. And just take that scenario a little further. We were not able to go and recreate the bunk bed for that short time they were there because once separated out, we had disposed of all the bolts and all the the bits and pieces that made it into um, into a bunk bed. Yeah, I have these experiences too. So anything and everything that's shown in a listing, unless it's clearly stated that it's not available for use, has to be there. And if something breaks and isn't replaced, your guests need to know. And if necessary, given the option to cancel. And yes, I believe that they can have the option to cancel if something that they wanted to be there isn't. I mean, my business partner loves canoeing and he books cottages that have canoes so that he can can go on his vacation and he can do his sunset paddle and he'll be a happy man. And he says quite categorically, if he heard that a canoe had broken or was not available at a property that he had booked, he would want to cancel and go elsewhere unless it was very, very last minute. And then, then he would expect the owner to find a replacement somewhere. So, it, you know, you don't know what's really, really important to your guests. Of course, you can ask them about what's really important and make sure. But, you know, anything and everything that is shown in the listing as a feature or an amenity has to be there. You will never know how important something is to one of your guests until they arrive and find it's missing. So years ago, we arrived en masse at a beautiful vacation home in Ontario and our group of 12, we'd just flown the Atlantic, we were tired and hungry. It was late by the time we got to the villa and it was February. So the snow was deep and it was cold and we'd stopped on our way for groceries and there was beer and wine waiting to be enjoyed. We were just ready to kick back and relax. 
And we knew we were going to be met by the owner and he was delayed. So we had to sit outside in our vehicles with the engines running to stay warm for the first 15 minutes until he arrived to open the door. And he then spent an hour and a half showing us every bedroom, six of them. He opened every cupboard in the kitchen to show us what was in there. He explained the operation of the entertainment system, demonstrated the coffee machine. And then he sat down on a couch as if he was an invited guest. And he jovially asked if we had any beer. That was one of my earliest experiences of renting homes. And it was my earliest lesson of how not to do it if you are showing people around. If you're going to be there to welcome your guests, which is fine. Just don't overdo the show round. Say hello and get out as soon as you can. Your guests don't want to hear your stories. They just want to get on with their vacation without your input. And you know, if you can possibly let them in without doing the show round, so much the better. And a good welcome guide with videos is going to be much better explaining how your home works because your guests are not in the type of mode that accepts a lot of explanations when they've just arrived on vacation. So telling them how to turn the TV on and the DVD on and how to work the fireplace and how to work the microwave. It's not going to have any effect whatsoever in that first 10 minutes of their arrival. It will go in one ear, out the other, and 15 minutes after you're gone, somebody's going to say, what did he say about this TV? And nobody will remember. So just make sure the welcome guide is good and don't overdo the show round. Big mistake. So now everybody's in. The next thing, they're going to log on to the Wi-Fi. So ideally, they'll already have the password. Hopefully, they've got, you've got a digital welcome guide. They can just go onto their iPhone, click into the welcome guide, go to Wi-Fi, and there's the password. Do not make your guests search for the password deep into a paper welcome manual because they just won't be happy. They want to log on and log on quickly. So here's a tip. Laminate a couple of cards with the username and password. You could leave one on the fridge and then make sure you have one in each bedroom as well. You can use those little business, those, those little Perspex business card holders you can get from Office World and just pop in your laminated card and put it on each bedside table because it's usually the first night when the guest you know, finally gets into bed, they want to fire up a tablet or, or maybe get their phone going and that's when they're going to be looking for the login details. They don't want to get out of bed and go find that welcome manual and look for those that information. If they haven't already got it on a digital welcome book, then make it accessible and just have it in one of those little card holders. And of course, of course, make sure you have a charging station on bedside tables as well. And your guests are going to love you for that. So finally, guests are in the house, someone's unloading the car, others are putting things away in cupboards and drawers, and they're all beginning to feel at home. But there's just a few more things that go a long way to ensure that great first impression you've worked so hard at is maintained. You want to make sure you provide plenty of space for their stuff. This means empty drawers and cupboards. Now, if you own and manage a vacation rental home that you don't use very often, then everything is going to be empty and available for them. But if you use a property yourself, just make sure your personal things are kept private when you have guests. Remember that every part of the house is going to be explored. Every drawer and cupboard will be opened. Nothing is private. So if there's anything you don't want to be seen or you don't want to share with your guests, put it away in a lockable cupboard, put it in a 
tote and tape it up and put it in a basement or just put it away somewhere that your guests are not going to be able to access. Because apart from the fact that they're going to explore everywhere, if they open drawers and cupboards and they're full of junk, it doesn't give that great first impression. Then make sure all your kitchen equipment is clean, it's in working order, your pots and pans, hopefully they're stainless steel and you don't have any peeling non-stick, and they should be shiny and orderly arranged. And all you need to do is go open your cupboards and imagine yourself as a guest coming into your kitchen for the first time. And they are going to open every cupboard to see what's there. Make sure there's salad bowls and there's mixing bowls and there's baking dishes and there's small appliances. I'm about to add an instant pot to my bevy of small appliances. You, You can get the little three quart one, which is fantastic for, you know, small groups because everybody loves their instant pot. And I want to make sure that that's available. So I just, that's just me. I just like small appliances, like a few gadgets to have around. But just make sure that when those cupboards and drawers are opened, that it all looks neat and tidy. And it doesn't, it's not all in a jumble as if it's never been touched since the beginning of the season. So make sure you supply plenty of paper products. I would say at least three toilet rolls per bathroom and paper towel in the kitchen. But you know, if you send an inventory list to your guests before they arrive that tells them what they should expect when they get there, they're going to know what will be in the property in terms of supplies and what they're expected to bring. So just lay out those expectations beforehand because the first time your guests go and use the bathroom, they're going to open the cupboards and see how many spare toilet rolls there are. And if there are none, if there's just a half a toilet roll, just half a roll of toilet paper on a stand, and they're going to start panicking, particularly if they've arrived late at night. And then finally, someone is going to start looking for information on what to do, where to go, where to eat. And it could be that they've arrived in the evening and the plan is, all oh, right, the moment we get there, we'll go unload the cars, we'll get settled, we'll have the first beer, and then we'll go out to eat. So you want to be front and center with your suggestions and recommendations on what they should do and where they should go. I mean, your digital welcome guide should have all that. But if you aren't on the digital bandwagon, and I think you all should be by now, just make sure there's recommendations and suggestions, at least for the first night and the following day. So something out there up front that they can see that says, you know, hope everything's fine, that you've unpacked. If you're thinking about going out to dinner Here's a great place where you don't have to book in advance. And as far as breakfast tomorrow morning is concerned, this is our favorite breakfast place. So something like that, that's just makes them feel that you have thought of everything and you've really thought about their wishes, their needs, and uh, and they're going to be happy bunnies. So a lot has happened in that 10 minutes from guests pulling in to the car park or the driveway. You've given them a great welcome from showing cleanliness and attention to detail to ensuring the place is advertised and ready for their stay. And you know, your goal is for them to sit down after they've unpacked, opened that first beer or made the first holiday cocktail and have them say, that was easy. Now let's enjoy our vacation. So there you are. The first 10 minutes. There was a lot in there, actually, a lot of things that you have to think about. But falling down on any one of those will contribute to that primacy 
effect. They will remember it. And when it comes time to write a review, regardless of the amazing time they've had, they're going to remember that something was a little off when they arrived. Something happened that impacted their anticipation and their expectations of the place. It made the, it, it had this slight jarring feel. It made them feel a little bit uncomfortable, like maybe they'd made a wrong decision. And you certainly don't want that. So if I've missed anything, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know if there is anything that I have missed out on that first 10 minutes. Is there anything that you do in the first 10 minutes of arriving at a vacation home that I haven't mentioned? And if so, make a comment in the show notes and and let us all know. So that's it for this week. I am spending some of my time taking photographs of my new apartment and starting to build my listings, getting that out. I plan on having that all done by mid-May, by which time the snow should have gone in my backyard and I might be able to take some pictures. Uh, But we shall see, considering that it was a new house and there was no grass when the snow arrived, there's probably going to be no grass when the snow's gone. So we'll probably have to do something about that. So as I say, if uh, if you are planning on being at the Northwest Vacation Rental Professionals uh, Conference in Sun River, Oregon uh, next week, then let me know and uh, and we'll get a coffee or get together in, in some way and have a chat. In the meantime, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's always a pleasure creating these podcasts for you. And I'll look forward to being with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.